So it sounds like many of y'all have watched uh, that movie before. Uh, but if you haven't, uh, that's just the general premise. Uh, this one girl is pretty regular. All of a sudden, her grandma shows up, and her grandma is like the queen of an entire nation, which means that she's the princess of an entire nation. Um, and so the oh, yeah. yeah, and so the, the premise of it is that, yeah, grandma shows up, which means she's the princess, um, and they spend a lot of the movie preparing her to be the princess. We're gonna return, uh, we're gonna return to this movie. It's kind of similar to Lion King, how somebody's like said to be a king, and they have to like grow up and to become that king. Um, but yeah, so I'm gonna leave everybody to focus, uh, just because I think this message that I'm gonna give, uh, for me, was incredibly transformative uh, for my life. And so uh, I really didn't learn this message until my uh, last semester of college. And so, and I think this message was just so foundational. Um, I was a Christian, right? I grew up in this church for most of my life. And for some reason, in my last semester of college, uh, I was low, right? Like it was, uh, I wouldn't say I was clinically depressed, but I was low. Um, I was low, I was struggling with porn and masturbation, and I was like, yo, like, this is making me dirty. Um, and because of that, I had a lot of shame. And I was carrying that, and it took some people to really diagnose that for me and be like, hey, Quijo, you're struggling um, with shame. And I was like, yo, what do I do about this thing that I'm struggling with, right? And what, what, what helped me, and what helped me to be able to get out of that place where I, I saw myself as dirty was understanding my identity in the Lord. Um, and this is one of the most uh, foundational truths um, that I think we all like kind of miss out on. We like kind of know what it is, but like if we really lived out of that truth and know and knew the pieces to it, it would really make a huge difference um, in who we are, right? So in this world that we live in, um, a lot of what you do determines who you are. If you're a good student and you do well in your classes and you get good grades. Well, they'll call you a good student. If you do the things that your parent says, like they'll say you're a good kid, right? So what you do in this world determines who you are. And that's just the way it's been. We've been raised that way to believe that. Um, and that's how we have to earn our identity. And so a lot of the things in our environment will shape us. So like if we are rejected or abandoned in some way, shape or form by like our parents, that will feel unworthy. That's what, that's what it feels like, right? Like if you went to school and everybody turned their backs towards you, right? Because of that, you would feel rejected, that you don't measure up, right? So your identity, as you know it, growing up, surrounded by other people in the US, right? Even in the world, it's based off what you do, tells you who you are. And so we have to ask ourselves like, okay, like if I believe things about myself, does that make that true? I guess that's the question I'll ask. If I believe things about myself, does that make them true? Um, and that's the question we're gonna, we're gonna dive into today because so much of the things that we tell ourselves, so much of the ways in which our parents raised us or even people in this church have talked to us have led us to believe a certain thing about ourselves, all right? And today we're gonna look and see if what scripture says about us lines up because um, at the end of the day, like if we believe that the word of God is supreme and we feel differently, then we have a decision to make, right? We can choose to believe the word of God or we can choose to believe how we feel. That's just point blank period, okay? And so today we're just going to break that down a little bit um, and see what the Lord says about us um, and, and how to move in that. And so I think for most of us growing up, we've heard messages from this podium or in the church or from other places um, that force us to make a decision, like I just mentioned, 
Um, and usually it's like, hey, you're doing bad as a Christian, and so as a Christian you don't do these things, and as a result, you need to do better. Um, and those are good messages. They have their time and their place. Um, but today's message is going to be a little bit different. Today's message is that the Lord says really good things about each and every one of you who are in him. Right? If you call yourself Christian, the Lord says certain things about you that you actually don't believe. You don't believe the things that he says about you is true. And so today you're going to have a decision to make. You're going to either choose to believe the good things the Lord says about you or you're going to choose the lies that you have believed. And so we're going to break that down. Um, but first, let's pray. Um, Lord, we just come before you this morning. Uh, just, yeah, we just come humbly before you. Lord, I pray that the hearts and minds of everybody would be open to what you have for them this afternoon. And um, as, we, yeah, as, we, as we share this message, I pray, Lord, that you're beginning to renew our minds to the identity that we have in you. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would beginning, um, yeah, to just open our minds to see who we really are in you uh, and begin putting to death the lies that we have believed, that we have been taught, that our parents may have put over us, uh, that our friends have made, may have put over us and we put over ourselves. I pray these things in your name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, somebody flip your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1 um, for, for me. And while y'all are, yeah, Ephesians chapter 1. Let's, let's go straight there. Um, so I'm going to tell you the story of every single Christian, um, every single person who calls on the name of the Lord. Um, this is going to be your story, um, and it's really simple. It's called "Sinner to Saint." It's pretty, pretty, pretty nice. You like that alliteration, the SS, "Sinners to Saints." Um, and the way the time progression works, right? Uh, let's see, left to right, sure. Um, you begin your entire life um, living one way, and then you make the decision. Uh, to, uh, to follow the Lord, and then the rest of your life looks different. Um, in today's message, and uh, as we read the scripture today, um, and really in general, I'm going to ask you all to pay really close attention to the verb tenses that are used. Uh, what are verb tenses? Can somebody give me like an example of, or just what, what are verb tenses? Somebody give it that to me. Okay, there's a verb in a sentence. And what do the tenses mean? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, what was it? Yeah, what are the three? Give me, give me the three uh, different tenses that we generally go. Past, present, and future. And yeah, there's, there's some other ones that are fancy. But um, yes, there's past, present, and there's future. Uh, for the most part, and then there's some fancy ones. Um, and as we, as we read today, we're going to pay really close attention um, to the verb tenses that are used. Because uh, remember, there's the story of every... Um, believer, as you are now, or will claim to be, is the story of sinner to saint. And we need to see what that transition period is. And as we read these verses, it's going to make very, uh, it's going to come clear to us. So what we're going to do is, somebody's going to read Ephesians 1, 1, and then jump straight to Ephesians chapter 2. And then, uh, so, yeah, you're going to read? Oh, great. So you're going to read Ephesians 1, 1, and then jump straight to Ephesians chapter 2, and read from 2, uh, 1 to 10. Does that make sense? One, one to ten, yeah. And then two, one to ten, yeah. Amen. 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 Don't miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. Amen? Amen. This is Jesus. You know this is Jesus? Don't miss him. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from our own. Oh. One one, right? All right. Amen. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you were once walked, following the curse of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in our passions of flesh, carrying out our desires of the body and of the mind, and we and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God. Everybody see but God. But see but God. But God. Can I see that again? But God. But God? But God? Amen. But God, being rich in mercy because of great love, which which He loved us. Say He loved us. He Say He loves me. He loves me. Amen. Amen. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, say I was dead in my trespasses. I, was dead in my trespasses. I want you to know this word. That's why I'm telling you to say it right. Even which we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. Say, I'm alive in Christ. I'm alive in Christ. Amen. Amen. By grace, you were and have been saved. And raised us up with him. And seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that we, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of the grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So, there's nothing that we can gain without what? We hear a lot of Christ Jesus, right? Amen. I'm going to keep going. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is of the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God appeared before that we should walk in. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother Chris. <laughs> um, thank you so much for reading that. Um, so we're just going to jump straight in uh, to this text here. Um, I had Chris start by reading uh, um, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. And this is how Paul addresses the Ephesians, right? So these are believers in the faith. And he, he just jumps straight in. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God to the saints who live in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Uh, what does Paul refer to the people of Ephesus as? Yeah, what's the other word he uses for them in his greeting? Saints. Saints, right? Saints. He refers to these Christians as saints and what what um yeah so it says the saints who are in Ephesus right and what's the what's the um like we're gonna play this is kind of a grammar thing but what's the tense of like who are in Ephesus is that past present or future present it's present tense right they are they're saints who are in Ephesus 
right? Um, who, how would you define a saint in general? A good doer, one more. A holy person. Okay, cool. Who here would call themselves a saint? Throw your hands up. <laughs> Who here would call themselves a saint? Stand up. Okay. Okay, all right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so that's the point of today. Um, by the Lord's definition, so these people that are referred to in Ephesus, these are Christians in Ephesus. Like he doesn't, you know, he's not referring to people as individuals. He is speaking to all of us as Christians and he refers to them as saints. Um, by definition, if you look at the word saint over and over in scripture, you will see that God himself defines saint as every Christian. So when I asked if you're a saint, stand up, all of you should have stood up. All of you should have stood up. But there's some implications of this. There's some implications that we did not stand up at the word saint, right? It's because you all do not believe that you are saints by the definition that the world may give or the definition that you would give to yourself. Um, and I mentioned the progression of every Christian is sinner to saint. Um, and so let's look at this progression as it's broken up um, in, in the verses here. So in, uh, chapter, in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Somebody say you were dead. You dead. What tense is that? Past, future, or present? Past. You were dead. Huh? You were dead in your transgressions, right? So this was in the past, you were dead. We mentioned the timeline, sinner to saint. You were dead. This was when you were a sinner, you were dead, okay? And let's, let's jump over to verse 5 here. Um, and in verse 5, it reads, um, even when you were dead in your trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ. Somebody say, made us, um, alive in made us alive in Christ. Okay, right? And so what he is saying here is that there was something that was done, and now you are alive in Christ, right? This work was done in the past, and you who live in the present are currently alive in Christ, now let's jump to verse 6. It says, And he raised us up and sat us with him in heavenly places. Somebody say, raised us up, raised us up. And, sat us down and sat us down in heavenly places. Okay, so the tense here is the past tense. He says, something happened. You were raised up. And now where are you currently? Where are you currently? You were sat down, right? You're sitting with the Father in heavenly places. He's referring uh, to Ephesians here, but this is the story of all of us um, as Christians. And let's jump over to uh, verse 10 here. Um, yeah, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to walk in. Um, somebody say, uh, we are his workmanship. 
created in Christ Jesus for good works. And when we say we are his workmanship, what tense is that? It's present tense. So each and every single one of you, as it stands, are Christ's workmanship. Like, and uh, work, what's, what's, what's a piece of workmanship, right? This, if somebody crafted something, if somebody made something, and they're basically done with it, that is their handiwork, right? It says, currently, as you stand, are Christ's workmanship. Um, I want you guys to note this, because the tenses are really important. When Paul referred to the Ephesians in the beginning, he told them that they were saints, and he's telling them that they are currently Christ's workmanship. And this, um, this is huge, because the Lord says a ton of things um, about us. Uh, the, the, this Lord says a whole bunch of things in Scripture about us, and I don't have time in this message to tell you all of those different things that he says about you, um, but... I'm going to just mention a few of them, and I'm going to mention the reference in scripture that they come from. Um, and Stephen uh, sent out um, just a, it's like a picture, basically, of uh, just, it's basically what I'm going to share with you. You don't have to uh, write it all down. I just want you to pay attention and go back to it. But Christ says a lot of things about us that are currently true. Most of my life growing up, uh, yeah, most of my life growing up, whenever I heard good things the Lord said about me, in my mind, Right, my reaction was to think that like I will be those things. So when uh, I asked if everybody here is, if anybody here is a saint, to stand up, my mindset, me sitting down where y'all y'all are at, I would have thought uh, I will be a saint when I'm in heaven, when I'm good, when I do these things, when I um, when I'm perfect, I will be a saint. Yet when we look at scripture, he uses present tense things to describe people where they're at. He says, "You are a saint." period, right? He puts these things over us. Um, and he says, in, in this, this, this list that was sent to y'all, you can go back to, he says, you know, you are a child of God. You have been justified. You are a member of Christ's body. You are free from condemnation. Uh, you are a citizen of heaven. You are the salt of the earth. You are God's temple. These are all present tense statements. And so, so the like, why is this important? I think it's because, like, very often we don't believe these present tense statements to be true. Because I mentioned in the beginning, we are all conditioned to believe that who we are is a consequence of what we do. Right? Who we are, as we know it, is a consequence of what we do. If we do bad, we're bad. If we do good, we are good. But when you look at scripture, like, this, here's the thing. I'm not teaching you guys anything new that's, like, foreign. But the, the reality is that, like, we haven't, like, sat with this foundational truth that, like, the way the Lord gives us identity is that he says it, and it is, right? He says it over us, and it is, okay? When we just looked at the princess, um, the princess diaries here, right? Um, essentially, what happened was this girl is just chilling. She's living her life, and then her grandma shows up, and it's like, yo, grandma, like, you're a queen. It's like, oh, snap. That means I'm a princess. But you saw her in the beginning, right? You saw how fumbly she was. You saw how, like, she was just not put together, right? <laughs> she was not put together. She would not have called herself a princess. And we would not have called her a princess. But yet she was born a princess, right? When Simba was born and they did that little, ah, Simba, that's right there. 
right? They were like, yo, like, this baby is a king. But you look at the baby, you're like, bruh, it's a baby, right? And so an identity was placed on these two individuals that they had to grow into, right? But the fact that they weren't there, the fact that they weren't doing those things right away didn't strip them of their identity because that identity was placed by someone outside of them, okay? That identity was given to them by somebody who was outside of them, someone more powerful than them, someone with more control, more authority, gave them that identity. Like today, I'm here to really emphasize and to show y'all in scripture that the Lord has placed an identity on you that is separate from any behavior that you have or anything anybody else will ever say about you. He places that identity on you. He's like, you're my child, and now you are his child, period. Okay? And so the conundrum here comes uh, in, the, in, the, in the reality that uh, the conundrum here comes in like our, our life, right? Because Christ says that we are saints when we are saved, like period. So the work of salvation is like you're a sinner, then you give your life, and then you're a saint. There's actually like no, um, there's no necessarily in-between period where you have to do something to become a saint because it's an identity that the Lord places on you. And so you're over here, you're asking yourself the question, Okay, Kujo, uh, I see in scripture, you talked about past tense, present tense, future tense. That's all nice and dandy. The Lord says I'm a saint. That's cool. That's cool. But like, I don't act like a saint. Like, I, don't, I, don't do, I don't do all that saint stuff. But that's why I didn't get up, because I know what I do, and I'm not a saint, right? So what's going on there? The Lord has placed an identity on you, uh, but you don't feel that identity to be true. You don't feel that your shortcomings and your failures uh, make it so, right? And so this is this is the conundrum here. This is the conundrum because when I do things I'm not supposed to do, I feel terrible. And if I'm not careful, I'll be like, yeah, I'm a pretty terrible individual. I'm a pretty trash guy. Like, that that's me. You know what I'm saying? I'll put that on myself and I'll own it, right? And what's actually kind of scary is that some of us, will actually do that as a way of being like, I'm not being prideful, like I'm putting myself in my place. It's like, okay, you're putting yourself in your place, but like, is your place where the Lord puts you, right? It's what you're saying over yourself, what the Lord is saying over you, right? And this is so constant. It's like everything that we do, um, the way that people look at us, like, you know, like, what identity are we actually holding on to? And so it's so critical that like we have a decision to make every time we fall short, every time we don't, um, every time we don't measure up to what other people may say, we have a decision to make. You have to be like, yo, I didn't measure up. I didn't do the thing that I was supposed to do. Like, am I still like a child of God? Am I still a saint? Am I still these incredible things that the Lord says about me? Right? Are you? The answer is yes, <laughs> because your identity is not based on um, the works that you do. And so here's the here's the thing that um, here's the thing that's important to remember. Um, we cannot consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with how we perceive ourselves. What does that mean? If you truly believe that you are trash because of your actions. What is going to stop you from continuing to live out that way, right? 
if we do not see ourselves as God sees us, then to that degree, we suffer from that identity. When I was struggling in college and I was like, I'm dirty, and I kept having these cycles of shame, right? Those cycles were perpetuated by what I was thinking about myself, right? And so in the beginning, I said the way the world works is that you, um, what we do determines who we are, right? That's, that's just the way the world works. But in the kingdom mindset, it's who we are that determines what we do. Like, who are you? You're a child of God. You are a saint. You are set apart. You're a holy nation, a chosen people. Okay? And so, again, we go back to this question of, like, you say all of these good things about me, but, like, I still mess up. Like, I still, like, is this not an excuse? Like, if, if I keep messing up and you just keep saying I'm a saint, like, am I not going to just keep messing up and calling myself a saint? Um, but, like, that's not... Um, that's not the response we should have to an identity that has been placed on us, right? So you have to understand that the word sinner, right? I think for us, most of us will say a sinner is someone who sins. Um, the Bible will define a sinner slightly like differently and more elaborately actually, right? And it's, um, yeah, the Bible will define <laughs> sinner as someone who like the power of sin is over them. Right? The power of sin is over them. And that's not like one time sinning, two times sinning. Like the power, they live in the kingdom of darkness, essentially. And so when we look at Romans uh, chapter 7 and 14, uh, it tells us very clearly that, uh, that the power of sin is no longer over us. This is us who are in Christ. Um, and that we have a choice. We don't have an obligation to live um, into sin. We have actually power over sin. Again, Romans chapter 6. Verse 7 says this. I would encourage you all to read that, right? Once we are in Christ, the power of sin is broken. And so we have no obligation to continue to serve or to obey sin. Like we can live as children of the light. So do believers still sin? Like, yeah, we do. Um, but our present identities is not as sinners, people who are in bondage to sin. We have power over sin. Often people use the phrase, like, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I am a sinner saved by grace. And I think, you know, I don't want to get nitpicky with it, but that tense, I am a sinner saved by grace, is a little bit problematic. The reality is that you were a sinner saved by grace. In your current reality, right, as a child of God, with the identities that have been placed on you, you no longer fall in the category of a sinner. Um, you are a child of the Lord. And so it's really important that when we read these things about ourselves, that we respond to them, right? When we, when we look at the Lion King movie, uh, or the Princess Diary, right, where um, Mia was told that she was a princess, but she was still a hot mess, right? It was like her identity was a princess, right? But she didn't necessarily live that out in every single capacity of her life. But what did it do? The fact that she was a princess meant that she was on a pathway to look like a princess, right? It meant that her grandma was giving her the tools and the techniques, and with time, she would begin to actually live out the identity that was placed inside of her, okay? And so us as Christians, from the jump, when you accept the Lord, that huge list that was sent to you becomes true, period. 
The reality is that you may not be able to live those things out exactly. It may take time to do that, but it is important that you guys rest in the fact that that is your identity, right? In the same way Mia had to grow into a princess or Simba into a king, right? In that same capacity, each and every single one of us has an identity the Lord has placed over us that we must grow into. And he is the one who equips, he is the one who corrects, he is the one who takes us from where we are to where he wants us to be. But the reality is that it starts from that foundational, like, this is the identity um, that the Lord has placed on us. And so, like, how do we, how do we, um, how do we receive these identities? Because I just told you all of these things uh, that the Lord says about you, but the reality is, like, like, next week, you can be like, yo, like, I just bombed that test. Like, I'm actually a terrible individual. Or you can be like, dang, like, I just got really mad and cursed out that person. Like, oh, crap, like, I'm actually, like, the worst person in the world. Right? And these identities are not to excuse your behavior, but they are a calling for you to return to who you are. Right? I think the difference here, right? The difference, um, yeah, the difference here uh, in, in your response Right, you, you can say you can say like if you mess up, right? You can be like, oh man, like I uh, I just fumbled the bag, and so as a result, I'm actually condemned. Like I'm actually like not it, and like the Lord does not love me. Like I actually don't want to show my safe my, my face to people. Right? Those are the words of shame. That's those are the words of condemnation. Does anybody know the difference between conviction and condemnation? Does anybody actually can somebody define condemnation? Uh, it is just like an eternal punishment. It's like an eternal punishment. It's a, it's a, it's a punishment of, of, of sorts. You're kind of banished. You've been condemned. Um, and does anybody have a definition for conviction? Exactly. It's a correction from the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it feels bad. Um, but it's a correction. The goal of it is repentance. Right? And so the difference between conviction and condemn, uh, condemnation is whose voice it comes from, right? Because each and every one of you can hear something in your head uh, about, hey, like, you just did this thing and so you're trash, right? That's the voice of condemnation because what it's doing is that it's saying that, like, your identity is trash, right? It says you're condemned because of what you did. There is no coming back. It's not that you acted like trash. It's saying that you're trash, Um right but we know this is a lie because when we look at scripture we see in um romans like 8 1 it says there's no condemnation for those who are in christ so what does it look like for you to feel conviction or hear conviction right it's the voice of the lord it's tender it says hey like you messed up like you really went off the path you really cursed that girl out you really hit that guy like you did that um and it's time to come back it's time for you to repent to turn around and to come home Right? That's the word of uh, conviction over your life. And that's very different. That's ve I would hope we would all think that's very different from the voice of condemnation. And so it's very careful. The voice of conviction takes you back to your core identity in the Lord, and then the voice of condemnation will take you away. This is very subtle, but it's really important that y'all really lock this in. Because I think very often for us, we can be... Um, we can be so focused and pressed on fighting external sin, right? 
whether that is like being not being a liar, whether that's fighting against sexual immorality, like we can be on top of those things because we see them, right? But yet we will say things about ourselves that aren't true. Like we will believe things about ourselves that are not true. And these things will slowly eat at us because the reality is, as I mentioned before, like what you believe about yourself is like how you end up acting, right? Somebody who believes they're a king or a queen or a child of the most high, like even though they may slip up, the reality is that they're like, wait, pause, hold up, wait a minute. Like, yo, like my dad is literally the king of the universe. Like, what the freak am I doing? You know, right? It prompts you to go back to your identity, right? But if you truly believe that you are no good, if you truly believe the lie that you are not worthy of love, that you're not worthy of these things that your father has clearly said otherwise, then you will, you will live out of that. And so I want each and every one of you to really like take the same energy that you will take against fighting over sin, whether that's sexual temptation, whether that's the desire to steal or to lie, right? The, the, the desire to be like those overt sins that we have that we fight against so strongly, like we need to take that same energy to like our thoughts and the identities and like the, the things that we say over ourselves. Uh, because the reality is any lie that is not of God is from the pits of hell, bruh. Like, let's just keep it straight. Like, if you truly, right here, believe that you're, like, trash or that you're no good or you're not, that you're not worthy, like, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Like, straight up. That's just, it's a lie from the pit of hell. And um, I'm not saying this for you to feel bad about yourself. I'm actually saying this so that you will look at God's word. Because the reality is, like, the way a lot of us have been raised and taught in this church is that... Um, yeah, we have not done a great job as a church, like affirming the identity that the Lord has placed on each and every one of you. Like we just haven't, right? You guys have, you know, maybe said something at home or, or done something your parents didn't like, and they said something terrible back to you, bro. Like they, they said something like, they, they, put some, they put something on top of you that's literally like not from the Lord. Um, they said something on top of you. And so it is, it's important that each and every one of you take your time to see what the Lord actually says about you and to trust that those are present tense identities, right? Those are like who you are now. And from there, you live out of, right? Just like me, I was like, you're a princess. It's like, oh shoot, I'm on the pathway to being a princess, right? I'm a princess now. I'm on the pathway to looking like a princess more, right? Like Simba, I'm a king now. And I'm on the pathway to look like a king more. And so um, I want to just kind of really press that in with y'all and um, yeah, to, to, to really press into that because I think too often because our identities in this world, the way the world sees us is that you have to do things to get things. We spend our entire time um, under this false assumption that like if we live perfectly, right? I need everybody to pay attention. I'm about to wrap up and this is really important as I'm about to wrap up, right? Like we cannot do anything in this world to qualify for unconditional love. Let me repeat that. We can't do anything in this world to qualify for unconditional love, right? Like we can't do something to get unconditional love from someone. That has to be given to us. When a baby is born and their mom just went through nine hours of labor and is about to sleep nothing for the next like two years, right? The child didn't earn anything for their parents to do all of that for them, right? That's unconditional love that the child did not earn. They can't. None of us can earn unconditional love. Very often we labor, we do a lot of things under the false assumption 
that if we live perfectly, everyone will accept us. Um, but yet there was somebody who lived perfectly and everybody rejected him, right? There was somebody who lived perfectly and everybody rejected him. So what is this energy that we have that thinking that our perfection will earn the love of others, right? To be able to understand and receive God's unconditional love, it's like foundational to our growth. Like if you cannot receive the love that the Lord is giving you, um, <laughs> if you cannot receive it, you will not grow. The reality is that like, it's almost like, like the way shame works is that it makes it really hard to receive God's love because you will hear a good thing and you would just think about that thought that you already have about yourself and you would reject the good thing. It's almost like having butterfingers. Has anybody like actually had butterfingers before or something like really slippery on their hands, right? And like somebody tossed you something, you would just fumble it. You can't catch it. And shame is like that butter on your fingers, right? Like it's like it will, it will make it so hard to catch or receive anything. And so we just have to remember that like we do not have to do Good, like the Lord accepts us as we are, right? We, he accepts us because of the unconditional love that He has for us, and as a result, our actions reflect that. Like we're not earning the love of the Lord; He lavishes it on us, and so we respond. And so, um, yeah, as we end, I just want to remind you that, like, you are um, not who you are in Christ. Like your identity in Christ is not because of anything you have done or can do, period, right? You are in uh, Christ because of what he has done for you. Um, he died and he rose again so that you will have freedom. And this is my, this is, this is my, um, this is my challenge for y'all for this week, um, is to look at that list that Stephen sent on your mind um, and to pick one of those I am statements that really stands out to you. Like the one that you read and you're like, whoa, that's not true. Like, if you have that reaction to any of them, pick that one, right? And I want you to read the verse that's attached to it and then ask the Lord to really expose the lie that you're believing. Like, expose that jump, bro. Like, if it says you're a saint and you, you, you tense up, you're like, nah, like, I, I'm not that person. Like, that's not me. Like, that's the lie. You need to, what do you think you are? Like, write it down. Say it, okay? And then pray to the Lord to renew your mind so that you believe the truth of what he says about you. Um, and speak that truth over yourself throughout the week um, because the renewal of our minds is an active process. Like, you gotta do some work for your mind to be renewed. Um, and so, yeah, that is the message for today. The Lord has placed an identity on you. It's independent of anything else in the world. He says it and it is, and you have a decision on whether or not to believe it. Uh, but that is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Cool. Uh, yeah, let's pray. Um, yeah, Lord, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to learn um, that we are who you say we are. Lord, very often we sing the song like, who has the final say? Jehovah has the final say. We sing and we dance, yet often we make our emotions, our feelings have the final say. We make what we think about ourselves have the final say, or what our parents think about us to have the final say. But in reality, when we sing that song, we say Jehovah has the final say. And so Lord, help us to, to learn the identities that you call for us. Let us trust you to have the final say, um, and let us walk in that final say that you have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.